Girl Autumn, the Aries of the Lit Life Podcast, where you are encouraged to live your life autonomously. Right now, I want you to kick back, relax, and prepare to change the subject. Take it away, Take BJ. It away, BJ. You have just pressed play on episode 32 of Change the Subject. I am the host of Change the Subject that they call BJ. All information pertaining to me and the show can be found on social media at DergoBJ. That is D-E-R-G-O-B-J on Twitter. And the subject change is the Instagram page. There you will be able to find all things pertaining to me and both shows being Change the Subject and Teach Me How to Love You Better. And the link tree in the Instagram bio will direct you to all of the show hostings. But we got to get energized for what is coming from today's episode because we have a conversation that is much needed and current in the events that we are experiencing. But we also have one of the greatest voices in podcast culture on this episode as well. And y'all know her because I big her up every chance I get. But for those of you that don't, this is who we call Mother Unicorn, (laughs) right? The magical things that this person does is mind-blowing. It is so on point. It is so actual and factual. And there's something about what she does that I can't really explain. So I'm going to introduce her, but I'm going to allow her to speak for herself because she does that to an excellent level as well. We have Stephanie, the life architect of the I Said No podcast on Change the Subject. How are you this evening? Woo, what the <laughs> intro, man. I'm like, oh, I hope I live up to everything you're saying today. I am well. I am honored to be here. Let me go back and say I'm as well as I can be under the circumstances that we are all under. I am happy to be here. It is an honor for me to be here. And let me just do what I normally do. Beautiful soul unicorns. <laughs> Welcome to Change the Subject with your host, B. DJ and your today's co-host, Stephanie, the life architect. I am the builder, the customizer, the designer of healthy, emotional lives. I am your permission giver and your unsolicited advice giver. Yes, I am all of those things. And I'm just happy to be here, BJ. So thank you. Wow. See, I told you 
I told y'all she got that shit down pat. <laughs> <laughs> I flipped up a time or two, trying not to laugh, but you know, I got it. I but, get it in there. It's it's about practice, BJ. You know, when yeah. I'm in, when I'm in the shower, when I am by myself, I practice my intros. I practice things. So you know, when you stay ready, you try yeah. not to have to get ready. Absolutely, absolutely. But I'm super excited to have you for a second time. Um, for you for you guys that listen and our listeners um we did have a previous conversation titled where two or three are gathered and whether you notice or not this is actually the second part of that conversation that we weren't able to get to because we got so deep into the first part that i ended up having to reserve i guess the remainder of the conversation for another time and just so happens this is perfect timing for the conversation. So, um, per usual, we're going to give you a few seconds to introduce yourself. Well, not so much yourself, but your show and tell them where they could find your show, the hostings and all of the information that you will have for the listeners that want to follow up with you on their own time. Thank you so much, BJ, for that. My show is called the I Said No Podcast. That hashtag is ISM Pod, and it is just a permission-giving show allowing you to come into your safe audio space to release any and everything, including people, places, and things that does not serve you, even if it did serve you at one point. There is where you set healthy boundaries. There is where you learn the difference between walls and boundaries, and there is where you tap into your righteous, ratchet being. There is is where you can be whoever you want to be without the mask, where we are solution driven and we also like to have some ratchet fun. That is the I Said No podcast and you can find it on Spotify, iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Stitcher, Pocket Cast and every other place that podcasts are played. Pretty much. Pretty much. We, we everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> we everywhere. I mean, you know, I, I, I used to want to be on every platform and then it dawned on me one day bj that whoever needs to hear me will find me yeah yeah you know so yeah. i stopped putting myself out there on like oh i have to have you know it on every single platform i i just got to a peaceful place where i said if you need me you'll find me exactly um definitely if you are a listener of me and you want to further your intellect and be challenged in a lot of the things that you feel and possibly struggle with, she is definitely the next best thing to me, if not better than me. I, I truly believe that Aww. this is what makes me stronger because I call her my steel sharpener. Yeah. So if you enjoy me, then you will definitely enjoy her. So make sure you're following, um, stay in touch and in tune with everything that she has going on because, like I said, it's great content. Thank you. So. We got a good conversation, but you know, before we get into these conversations, there is a segment that we call Q-A and A. Yes. Who and you got some <gasps> questions dun, today. Dun, dun. This, listen, <laughs> as a listener, I am always like, what is BJ doing to us? <laughs> Where does he come up with these? So I am, I'm ready as I can be. Let's go. All right. So. We're going to go into question number one. Name one thing that you spoke into existence that you regret today. Just one? Child, bye. <laughs> <laughs> Just one? Oh, my goodness. I spoke into existence. First, let me, you know, let's be clear on regret, right? So regret is feeling sad or disappointed over how something happened or has been done. So what am I sad about that has happened or been done that I called into existence? Sheesh, BJ, there's a lot. I'll, 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 
I'll talk about certain relationships. You know, I, I called into existence friendships that I thought I needed or wanted, not realizing that what I was calling into was negativity. What I was mm. calling into the atmosphere was codependency. So to answer your question, I, that's what I would say. Something that I spoke into existence, certain friendships that broken Stephanie needed, not whole Stephanie. Oh, okay. Great answer. Great answer. All right. Number two is for where we are now today as people of color, where does your mind take you when you hear the word master, considering the context of how it is used both systemically and spiritually? Jesus Christ. <laughs> I mean, really, BJ? Who, who asked these questions? Oh, man. I love that you broke it down, too, considering the context. Mm -hmm. I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to say that I. When I hear it, I, I, for me, it's like the adjective of the definition, having or showing very great skill and proficiency. So I put mm. that on myself. I am the master of my space and my domain. And I have been and I continuously will show great skill and proficiency in my field. So when I think of master, that's how I relate to it now. Mm. Okay. So totally removing the context in which most people are comfortable with you gave it a whole new definition mm. yeah i'm not here for people's comfort right comfort doesn't really get me anywhere as far as comfort in my actions and um you know you can keep that comfort to yourself i'm here for leveling up and progressing and that's how i see master and that's why i progress because i am the master of my own domain hey another great answer another great answer all right, so number three is name one record that was remade by a current artist that was better than the original song. A current artist? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Man, it, this is bad because my playlist is like straight 90s and like early 2000s. So, I mean, the last remake I really enjoyed was probably, was it DJ Khaled, Wild Thoughts with Rihanna? They sampled mm. uh, Maria Maria. Right, right, okay. That was probably the last one that I really, like, dug my heels into. Okay. Like I said, because my playlist is still, like, 90s and 2000s, I'm thinking the Fugees and Roberta Flack, Killing Me Softly, is still one of the best uh, remade songs ever. Wow, but, right, but, right. But to stay okay. current, as current as my playlist, I would give it to DJ Khaled. Okay, that's a great answer, because I couldn't get past the 90s either. My choice, when I had to answer it for myself, was uh intro ribbon in the sky Ooh, for so long there you go <laughs> for this night i pray yeah oh my goodness you know that could be a whole episode yeah about us breaking down the best <laughs> remakes first of all intro is so underrated yes okay? they are like on, on the pussy playlist come inside is like <laughs> numero uno okay so let's go there with intro but yes you're right that is a fantastic remake yeah. absolutely mm -hmm. i loved it yeah okay so number four is in your opinion who knows you best between a mother or a sister you trying to get me shot <laughs> <laughs> you trying to get me murdered oh my goodness in my opinion who knows me best you talking about me and me as an individual or just like who knows people best in overall relationships how you would view the overall relationships for a woman that has to choose between the two Oh, I would like to generalize, but I can. I think it's situational depending on the relationship you had with your mom and or your sister. There mm -hmm. are some mothers who are not nurturers, right? There are some mothers right. who just hold the title 
of mother because they gave birth to you, to you. So in that case, of course, I would lean towards the sister. But there are also some relationships that just because we're siblings and share DNA, I don't really like you. You know, the only reason that we're in the same atmosphere right, ever is right. because we come from the same womb. So for me, that okay. question is very layered and I can't just give one answer. It really depends on the situation of the relationships. All right. Oh, wow. Yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. Okay. Number five is in the concept of the 80-20 rule, answer this question. What is a 20% fraction of love that would encourage you to risk it all or the remaining 80%? Ooh, wow. I hate you, BJ. I just don't understand. <laughs> I don't understand what you're doing to me. The 80-20 rule. What 20 would I risk it all for? Yep. At this point in my life, that 20 I would risk it all for would probably be adventure. Be oh, wow. Okay. Because all the other boxes, I mean, I'm 40 years old, right? Though I look fantastic, I absolutely am, <laughs> I am older than a few people you know that are in in my circumference. I'm older than a few people, a few of my followers, and a few people that are in you know my pathway. Mm -hmm. And at 40, when you get sure on your feet, right? When you got your finances in order or you're getting them in order, that's checked, and you have your checks, you know, your boxes checked off. You start to you start to look for different things that you really didn't think were necessities before right right okay so for me at this stage adventure is something i would risk a few things in the 80 percentile for wow that is a great answer that's yeah. actually that's actually the perfect answer because i feel the same way i think um seeing beyond what makes me comfortable is mm -hmm. is very invigorating Yes. right now especially so um i probably would say the same thing yes mm. you know you and i like to be challenged you know yeah. we've, had, we've had conversations where we're like okay so how do we feel uncomfortable next yeah right so i want an adventure as often as possible to to have me like okay i didn't think i'd ever do this before at 30 i wouldn't have done this before or even at 39 i wouldn't have done this before but now i'm craving that i want to be uncomfortable so that i can figure out you know what's at that next mountain of discomfort how do i climb right. that how do i climb that right mm -hmm. okay so number six is it's time to renew your vows you need a vocalist and a piano player, but you can't afford to hire both. So you look for a musician who also knows how to sing as well as he plays. You put out an ad for an, a work for hire for your wedding and four musicians respond. Who do you pick based on their voice and catalog between John Legend, Brian McKnight, Tank and Babyface? <laughs> This is easy for me. Tank, don't even put him on my list. I'm not a fan. That's, he can go. Really? Yeah, I'm not a Tank fan. Mm-mm. No. Besides I Deserve, which is, like, very old, I, I, I literally have no Tank music in my playlist at all. Wow. I know. That's a shocker for a lot of people, but... <laughs> No tank, so we're already getting rid of him. John Legend, which is cool. He his voice is very Billy Goatish to me, but <laughs> I do. <laughs> don't laugh at me, BJ. <laughs> 
But I do have several John Legend songs in my playlist. However, he would have to go as well. So it's really between, you know, the GOAT Babyface and Brian McKnight. I'm probably going to go with Brian McKnight. Oh, wow. Brian McKnight is so underrated. Like, I don't think people understand One Last Cry anytime. Like, if he sang anytime on a loop for me, I'd be okay. I mean, the, right, the, the right. vocal range that range that he possesses, in addition to his, you know, musicality on the piano, is it's so underrated. So it would have always been between him and Babyface. And since I'm probably not in Babyface's budget, I'm gonna go with Brian <laughs> McKnight. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> Brian McKnight, yeah. Okay, number seven is name an unlikely place that sounds perfect to Stephanie for an adventurous yet exciting night of passionate sex okay name an unlikely place unlikely to who bj to you <laughs> <laughs> name an unlikely place that sounds perfect mm-hmm. <sighs> unlikely i'm unlikely to be on someone's rooftop having sex so i would say a rooftop that has a fantastic view and i'm not talking about vacation sex rooftop i'm a new york city girl and i'm talking about new york city buzzing where most likely people can see you you know, and <laughs> <laughs> that's the kind of building rooftop I'm talking about. It's unlikely a place for me because of the city I live in. And I know how exposed that would be. But for adventurous yet exciting night of passionate sex when I don't give a damn who's looking, that edible done kicked in and we getting it popping. Yeah, right on the rooftop in New York City. Don't even have to be a nice fancy rooftop either. Let's oh, get it popping. Oh, man. <laughs> and they, oh, okay. Now... That is the perfect way to end your segment, but you have a incredible alternative question Okay. that I can flip because the soundtrack that they're using is not really the best for this question. So I'm going to amend it right here. Okay. So I'm going to ask you this alternative. Okay. Since the conversation is wrapped somewhat around music, I want to ask you this based on the legendary soundtrack of Waiting to Exhale. If men were given the opportunity to remake or respond to every record on the soundtrack, name the male artist that you feel would be good enough to make the final cut. Now, two of the records would have to be groups due to the two records that were done by two groups, but the rest is just individuals. That's going to be probably an epic no. Like, I don't want anyone touching this album, PJ. <laughs> I'm so- sorry, not sorry. Like, there is no one out right now to me of the caliber, R&B caliber, that was delivered, the masterpiece of that soundtrack that anyone could hold a candle up till today. I, I don't okay. care. I-, I-, I really can't give you that one. If you would like me to come back to it and see if I change my mind, I will happily do so. All right. Because okay. they put um they put another soundtrack that I really don't remember a whole lot off of mm-hmm. the wood. So I'm like, oh, who remembers that? I you don't. know, <laughs> right? <laughs> I don't. No, I'll actually take this question into consideration because I'm thinking about today's artist, and I think the boy's name is Jacquees, Jacquees, or something like that. And yeah, you got these talk to be nice chicks. Like no one's really giving me any, you know. Any kind of resume to think that they could even say the waiting and waiting to exhale. I feel you on that. I truly feel you on that. (laughs) So we'll have to revisit that. Yes. All right. So 
now we get into what we're going to um, discuss today. And I have Stephanie here to discuss accord, right? And accord is something that a lot of us believe we're defining when we speak of unity. And I'm learning that unity does not necessarily mean togetherness or accord for that matter. It typically for me means despite the fact that we're different. How do we manage and function as a unit or a group? Because usually that tends to show accord and unity much better when despite our differences, we can still coexist and complete objectives. So I wanted to, of course, have this conversation because of where we are as a people now, where there are so many instances of white America trying to now ally but we don't know if they understand a court for what our needs and what our petitions are in the world today. So because I'm not the political person, I decided that we'll try to use a very innovative way to discuss the ideas of one accord speaking on unity. But what we're going to do is we're going to use our favorite R&B groups as examples of groups to further push the points of emphasis. So it's going to be us talking about current events using our favorite R&B groups that just so happen may still be together, but have broken up at certain points in time throughout our, I guess, our favorite eras, if that could be the way that we put it. So this should be a very fun and great talking point for us to explore. So to start, Share with me some of your favorite groups and why they resonate with you. Love this question. Love this topic, BJ. You're such a great writer and composer of podcasting arts. I love it. Thank you Uh, so much. You're welcome. DeBarge, you know, (laughs) they represent, I'm light-skinned. Like, what can I say? You know, when you look at DeBarge, it's a family of light-skinned brothers and sisters getting getting a sing on. And I really grew up with them in my household. They were played all the time. And when you listen to classic songs, BJ, like All This Love, Mm. you know, how can you not put DeBarge in, you know, your top 30 groups of all time? For for me, they're definitely in there. I love 702. Wow. Seven, yes, I love 702. I feel like they're very underrated when we have the discussion of best R&B groups or best, you know, R&B groups featuring women. I think mm-hmm. they, they don't get their just due. They were very, very talented. They got bangers. I mean, you could put on Where My Girl's At around anybody. And they're going to start singing from the front to back. You know what I mean? Exactly. It's automatic. Right, right. It's automatic. And they have hits just like my next group, Jeanne, which wow. I know you love them as well. I love them. Yes, I love them. Yes. BJ and I like had a quick bonding moment <laughs> at ISM Pod Live last August. DJ Gowen, who is a fantastic DJ of mine, and he played Jeanne and BJ. And I hear BJ and Dion just singing. Like, <laughs> mm. And I was like, yeah. Like from 1993 to 99, they held us down with such amazing barbecue joints and also some amazing love ballads. I mean, I I really feel like they didn't get their just due as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, let me see. Let me see. In Vogue. Absolutely. <laughs> there would Absolutely. be no Destiny's Child without In Vogue. And I just, again... 
feel like they don't get their shine. They don't get their flowers. They don't get their things. And they definitely deserve it. That was the first time I saw sexy brown women. I'm not talking about this fair light skin debarge vibe, right? I'm talking right, about right. sexy brown, thick women in little, little freakum dresses. Just right, singing right. their heart out, thick as they want to be, and just a bopping and a shoe bopping everywhere. And I felt natural hair, natural bodies. I just think that they really ushered in a movement that they don't get enough credit for. Absolutely. I yeah. really I really like your list, the way that you started it off, because that is a, that is a testament to not only iconic, but also talent, uh, yes. professionalism that was... That was exceptional rehearsing. That was a lot of factors of why we aren't conditioned as today's group of R&B quartets or quintets or however many comes in a group now. Like they don't stand the test of time. Like you can still listen to every album almost and find something. Mm -hmm. And the majority of that something is going to be still good. So um, this is going to be a great conversation because today in 2020, there aren't many R&B groups around. Mm-mm. And if they are, most of them are former groups who have decided over time to return to a time in which they love. But the catch is, it's under new conditions. Mm. A lot of the the red tape that you don't get to see behind the scenes of a lot of the talented people that we've just named. Um, so we are going to really go into a in-depth conversation about Accord because I wonder how much Accord it actually took for some of those groups to, I guess, survive as long as they did. Mm-hmm. You know, we saw the the story of DeBarge and all of the different um, moments of drug abuse and all of those things that they had to endure for them to be who they are still to us and we Mm -hmm. still have a affinity for them but just don't know what it took for us to connect with their music it's it's a huge sacrifice i'm sure and um that story so let's just get into the the meat of the conversation when the word accord is mentioned why do you think it is overshadowed by the unified front what always tends to be the representation of unity or strength in numbers when in fact it could mean that all of them are misguided as to why they are around each other? Why do you think that misconception of accord exists? Because I feel like people need to be right, right? And people okay. need and, and people need to be agreed with. There is something about accord that makes people feel like the only definition of it means that they get their way or they're agreed with or that everyone's on the same page. And I feel like that keeps us from moving forward. It hinders us. I feel like it's very convenient to believe that accord just means everyone has to agree. Everyone has the same settlement and idea of what life or the group or the mission should be. And I feel like because we have the need to be right, because we have the need to be liked, because we have the need for people to (sighs) fill holes that we don't fill ourselves, BJ, we feel like accordance has to be all of those things that I just mentioned. Wow. And I don't know if that made sense to anyone. It definitely made sense in my head. <laughs> but we, we, we have to understand that the verb definition of accord means to give or grant someone power, status, or recognition. A lot, a lot, mm. of, people, a lot of people are searching for power, status, and recognition, BJ. So they feel that accord has to have those three things attached to it. 
or then or they're really not in accord, which is false. Wow. And that is that is actually the possibility of why some of these groups didn't survive Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. it came to a point where they all wanted those three things for themselves within the collective space. Oh, wow. That was okay. Yeah. So now when we thread this into the concept of singing groups of the past, typically they all start on one accord, which is their love for music. And it's not until the business and the adult responsibilities begin to set into that space. Is there a healthy way for us to maintain the accord when our individual responsibilities begin to come to a head? Well, let's go back quickly. You said most of the people in these groups get together because of their love of music and that's what keeps them on accord. Let's mm-hmm. let's let's dissect that for a second, BJ, because a lot of people are getting into these groups not for the love of music, but some people want to be seen. You know, some people want the power of having the eyeballs on them. So I think a lot of the reason discord happens when the fallacy of the definition of a chord of the love of music is erased is because people get to see like this is not really what you were in it for. What what the accord agreements was, the contract of accordance was, is really you signed it under distress or or you signed it, you know, with a mask on because you didn't really, really focus on the love of this music. Because if you did, half of the reasons we broke up as a group, you know, when we watch these behind the musics that VH1 used to show mm-hmm. and these, you know, stories uncuts of the stories of these groups, when you really look at it, it's a lot of ego. Yeah, yeah. So is it really for the love of music that they got together? For Is that really everyone's accordance agreements? Or is that what they say or believe it is until their ego is like, no, it's really what I really wanted to be, which was front and center? True, true. Right, so okay. I'm sorry. So now ask your question again. <laughs> um. Well, I think that goes into um, one of the examples that I honestly wanted to use, which um, it's perfect, by the way. Um, let's talk about the temptations for a second. Okay. Now, um, the leader of the group is not the most talented. Right. Or even the appeal of the group, but very much the glue that holds them all together. Mm-hmm. Who do you feel in society today are typically the oldest Williams of society that we tend to take for granted because their jobs and talents are not popularized in such a way as the actual entertainers, those people that want to be seen, um, which are typically the people who want to get everybody activated and energized. Like who are those Otis Williams people in the world today that just get the job done and keep things together? Great question. I think I'm Otis Williams. You're Otis Williams. (laughs) (laughs) I said what I said. I said what I said, okay? There are so many. I love this question. Great question, BJ. In any industry, you're going to find you an Otis Williams, right? Mm-hmm. Whether it's male or female, you're going to find you several Otis Williams. And I feel like depending on where you are and what industry you're in and what circle you're in, you have impact, right? Someone once told me you should be on national stages to change lives. And I said every stage I'm on, whether it's an Instagram stage or this platform or change the subject podcast, I'm already on a stage. Mm. And I'm already changing lives. I'm already getting my oldest, oldest Williams on. So I feel like I can't mention people who are already sensationalized with the title of celebrity. I'm going to focus on the you and the me's of the world. 
right? I'm going to focus on the people who I feel like they should be on national platforms because of their content and how they are the glue and how people rely on them and how they're resourceful and trustworthy. Those are the Otis Williams that I'm referring to. And I happen to believe that you and I are definitely in that category. Oh, man, I appreciate that to the core. (laughs) And you just opened up a space in the show for you and I that we talk about often, but we're going to talk about publicly. Um, We're going to get into the particular group that we're actually in called the podcast culture. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> <laughs> in my most humble yet affirmed opinion, obviously based on what she just said, we are two giants in our community. And that opinion is solely based on respect and creativity alone. But for us, the group does very little mm-hmm. for us. Mm-hmm. Voices of reason very rarely get echoes of any kind of support. We are dependent upon for everything, even to be okay. Mm. In this example here that we've just collected in conversation, explain to those that are listening what it feels like to be a lead singer in this culture with no background singers to depend on. Michelle, you about to have me drag some Listen, I love it. I love it. How does it feel to be a lead singer with no background support? Sometimes my voice gets tired, BJ. You know, I'm not I'm not here to turn people on to the point that they don't learn anything because there's a difference between empowerment and actually giving people tangible takeaways so that they can have a better life, right? Right. When, you, when they press play and give you their precious hour or two or whatever it is of their time, to me I don't take it lightly and I feel like because I do not do fluff that I do not get uh, a lot of the plays, downloads, shine mm. that I believe I deserve. And right, that's, right. that's not me complaining. That's me feeling what I feel and right. not needing anyone's permission to feel what I feel. Right. Right. You, right. you can just tell the difference in the type of episodes that I do. So when I'm talking about pussy, and having someone eat my pussy and teach him how to eat my pussy, I am inundated and can't be let and won't be left alone. Right? My downloads is popping. My listen, my listenership is like through the roof. But when I'm like, okay, so now let's talk about the responsibility of your pussy and how you shouldn't be giving it out to everyone. Let's take the sensationalism away from it and let's really talk about the poor life choices you make with your pussy. Oh, then we get quiet and silent. Mm. Right. Mm, so right, right. It, it, it does become annoying, to say the least, when you feel like, hey, guys, I'm singing my heart out. I'm giving you runs. I got vocals. I got vibrato, falsetto. I can, I can take it to church. I can do all the whistles and bells and tricks that you need in your vocab, your vocals right from your artist. But you only want to hear it if I'm talking about a specific topic. Right, right. And it leaves you sometimes feeling like, why am I bothering? Yeah. yeah. Right. Because mm. I don't want you to praise me because you think I'm amazing. I want you to take what I said and apply it to your life. And I want you to share it on the platforms that you're on because you know you need it. You know your friend need it. You know your baby daddy need it. You know your mama need it. Right. You know you need it because you tell me you need it. But you're choosing to not listen to me sing because I'm not singing about pleasing you. 
that bothers me a lot. And though I love the interaction that I have with my followers, fans, beautiful souls, whatever you would like to label yourself as, I want you to know if you're listening to the sound of my voice, your selective humanity doesn't work for me. Mm. That is it. That is it. <laughs> because I realized that I realized that like um, just keeping in tune with the theme of the conversation. I kind of feel like the Mary J. Blige of podcasting. Ooh, break that down. Why you feel like Mary J.? Because, like, when I was frustrated, when I was hurting, mm-hmm. emotionally crippled and disabled, yeah, it was like I had, like, a flourish of attention and support. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. now that I'm raising the conscience yeah. of not only myself but others, now that I'm speaking to direct issues and um, constructive criticisms and doing all of the things that I do. It's like nobody wants to hear this song from me. Yeah, no, they don't even want the album, BJ. No, the they song. don't. This is the album that's going to flop. Yeah. Because you're right, when Mary's unhappy and she's singing about being happy and wailing and moaning about not going to cry and, you know, she is on the forefront of everybody's ears, right? Mm-hmm. The minute she's just like, she's just fine and everything's good. It's like, <laughs> I don't like Mary's album. I don't album. like that no more. I don't like that no more because I need her to be in pain. Mm-hmm. So I feel you on that. I wouldn't know who, who would you say that I am? I would, I don't know what artist I would equate myself to. I just know that when I'm not turned up like a city girl, mm-hmm. which I have her in me, because yes, I am ratchet and righteous all at the same time, right? I'm a multi-layered being. But when I'm not Cardi B and a city girl in it, I see the difference in the interaction and how people treat me and how much they download or how much they respond or I see the difference. And I love my faithful. I love my faithful crew. Mm -hmm. Regardless of what I put out, you guys are there. You'll always be my VIP. But we're talking about the overall collective who wants to use the lead singer and dry them up only when they sing the songs they want to hear. Right, right, right. Yeah. Mm. (laughs) I kept it light, BJ. I kept it light. (laughs) You know, that... That is such a a heavy conversation to have. I didn't even realize that just stepping into it lightly would get wheels turning just for that part alone, because it is a process for us to really unpack a lot of things that we've gone through that Mm -hmm. we're still processing to create content to help other people while we're still waiting on that same help. Yeah. You know, it. Yeah. It's so much and being a lead singer to a group of people who still haven't learned the words to the song. Ooh, child, haven't learned the words. You know, they refuse to even play it more than the first 15 seconds and call it whack. Mm. Right. Because I come from a generation that had actual CD covers and album covers. So I can read who produced it. I can read who arranged it. I can read who wrote it. Like when I first got ready to die. Biggie's album, mm-hmm. his CD, like I sat down with it. You sat with it, right? You didn't right. just play 15 seconds and say this song is whack. You played the album. You gave every song attention, time, and respect. And then you made an informed, educated decision on what didn't work for you on the album, if anything at all, because back then greatness was the whole album, not just a few songs like it is now, right? Right, so, right. And then we got to we got to break the album down, like I said, with the production, who wrote, who arranged, because the credits of the album, a.k.a. our show notes, right? Mm-hmm. A.k.a. our websites, a.k.a. all the stuff that we have links to send you to after 
or during the episode, we got to really take our time with those things. And I just don't feel like in this popcorn generation, this microwave, 140 characters, everything has to come within the first 15 seconds, like an Insta story, or I'm not into it. I really feel like it, 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 it hinders the lead singer because there's so much quality when you get to the bridge. Yes. Yes. You know, there's so much quality when you get to that chorus, BJ. Mm-hmm. If you just stick it out, I, I guarantee that there are a lot of people you are like sleeping on because you're you're just using the first 15 seconds of the song to grab you. And the transition mm. makes the makes the whole song make sense. Exactly. exactly. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. What group can you think of that started out with a particular lead singer but eventually was carried by one of the other members into a much greater portion? of their catalog oh so good i'm stuck so good <laughs> hmm let's Let think, about, think that. about that yeah let's think about that well you know i always i'll take it to i'll take it to the 90s early 2000s so for me 112 is a huge group for that's me. who i was gonna say oh really <laughs> okay okay because everyone if you're a fan of 112 or even know who 112 is r&b bad boy group you think Slim is the lead singer, right? right? Because right. you're used to his, you know, babyish tone, and he was the first one that really came out. For me, when Q started getting more vocals on the songs, I really mm-hmm. became an invested fan because I felt like they, of course, Slim was light-skinned. Slim had the little baby bop voice, and we're going to keep him in the front. And then you got these powerhouse church boys. Right, right. In the background, just waiting for a moment to like shine and belt it out. It reminds me of Johnny Gill when he went to um uh sorry, why is the New greatest male group? Yes, why is the greatest male group of all time not on my tongue? <laughs> New edition when Johnny was like, I sang sang. Like I sang the house down and y'all not even you gonna let these falsetto Ronnie Bobby Ricky and Mike like I, let me get the mic and then you just have a whole new appreciation for the group. So for me it would be Q from one twelve and then it would be Johnny Gill from New Edition. Okay. Those are great choices because the reason I was going to say um, 112 as well is because um, Duran was a silent storm hmm. at a particular point in their career. I think that part three was their best album. Me too. Favorite album. Yes. My favorite 112 album. Yes. And we were so conditioned to hear Slim and Q at this point. Yes. Yes. But it was moments where Duran just kind of pushed it past the i guess the the pedestal mm-hmm. that we had set them on because like when i think of player and sweet love and mm-hmm. ain't um, nobody gonna love you like right that and yeah. it is so many records because honestly he's been like fully invested he was a producer writer yeah piano player but yeah. we never could see him because typically the piano players and the writers stay in the background mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it wasn't until he came forward and kind of came full force. We began to see a different level to star power. Yeah, yeah. Once he came forward, and that's a lot of perspective to give to the people in the background. But we're going to kind of stick with the lead singer because you have to understand the, I guess, the context behind why a lead singer seems to be so significant. When we talk about the lead singer. This is the person with the brunt of the pressure Mm -hmm. simply because they are the person in the front. They are more 
in tune with the spotlight than any other person in the group. But what most don't consider is that at times the lead singer is the least inclined to be emotionally intact Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because the responsibility always seems to come first. You sing the songs, you make sure you on key all of the formalities that come with being a unexceptional singer, anything less than perfect based on perception is a fail. Right. And nobody admits this, but typically the lead singer is who also sells the group. Right. The background singers sell the album, if that makes sense. Yes, it does. So in terms of a core, how can we, how can the lead singer prioritize themselves in a group space without overshadowing and potentially taking the background for granted? And this is not only just in the groups that we are involved in, but also the background thoughts when we question those initiatives that we're going to take in the lead singer positions of our lives. Like when we say that we're going to do something, but the background is speaking, like Mm -hmm. how do we position the lead singer to be emotionally intact so that they can sing at their very best? I think, I think we have to, I'm stuttering here because these questions are blowing my mind. I just love the way you put them together with this context. I feel like as a lead singer herself in almost every aspect of her life, I I learned that I was drained because I wasn't taking vocal lessons, if Mm. that makes sense. Right, right, right. Okay, because I'm just showing up, doing what I do because it's it's a gift of, of mine and I take it for granted because I can sing. Right. I can lead. I can get on stage. I do have something that je ne sais quoi where people attract to me. So I take it for granted, which means that I don't rehearse enough. I'm not getting help. I'm not going to vocal practice, meaning I'm not going to therapy. I'm not looking at, you know, videos on how to make my sound better as a podcaster. I just think that it just comes natural to me. So I shouldn't nurture and water it. So I feel like lead singers need to understand that in order to be the lead and be a healthy, supportive lead that you have to nurture your gift. You have to water that gift. You have to invest in that gift. You have to be silent at times in order for you to be able to sing and belt out those notes when it's time to hit the stage, right? There's so many layers of protecting your voice as the lead singer that you need to do in order for you to lead the group while you're on stage. Now, you made a great point that the background singers sell the album. Right. So having a respect as a leader for the background is paramount because it can you can easily get caught up in all of the work that you do as the face. Yes, it's tiring. Heavy is the crown to be the lead. But no one builds anything alone, BJ. You know this. No Mm -hmm. one stands alone. There's always a support and background singers are a support because though you can sing the lead, those harmonies have to come from somewhere. Right. So those dance steps have to be in sync. We all have to get in alignment for it to look like we're all on one accord. So I think also as the lead, you have to have respect and not just internal respect. Like, hey, you know, I see what they're doing. You have to you have to vocalize your respect just like you do the songs. You know, you have to let the background know that they're background because of the definition of their position. But they're not background when it comes to mattering. Wow. Wow. And that could have been the very thing to implement when a lot of our favorite groups were at crossroad moments. 
because mm-hmm. I think that's what we ultimately make the background vocalists feel like. Like you're, you came in as a group, which typically seems to start off as being equal. Right. But then you're reduced to just the rear. Yes. You're reduced to, oh, I don't want to be a Michelle or Kelly. Right. But let me tell you something. <laughs> let me tell you something. I'm happy to be Michelle or Kelly. Okay. You don't have to always be the Beyonce and this, this, this disrespect of Michelle and Kelly that's happened from our own people mm-hmm. for so many years. is just a reminder and, um, that this conversation is necessary because when you look at what you got as Michelle and Kelly, it ain't a half bad life to me, BJ. Okay. We <laughs> have to nah. be a, okay. <laughs> it ain't a half bad life to me. And we put people down who are in the background, you know, growing up in church, I remember there was a deacon who was responsible for opening the church and closing the church and sweeping the floors. And he was just always so proud to do so BJ. Like he never, ever asked for any kind of promotion or anything more. And this man said, if I could sweep the floors where my people can come, and find peace and healing, that is the best job that I will ever have. He never said I have to be in the pulpit to be seen. He said, God sees my sweeping. Mm. He said, you can't get in this building or out this building without me opening it. If that is not the highest position, I don't know what is. He was comfortable with playing his position in, in what people like to call the background. And he didn't allow the background title to to dismiss his contributions to this group in accordance. And that's what we need to look at. What positions do we play and why does our ego tell us that we have to be the lead singer? Because let's be clear, as you said, being the lead singer is not easy and everybody wants to be in front, but don't realize that they might not be equipped to handle what being the first person seen or heard requires requires right right so now we're at the background singer which Mm -hmm. the background vocalist often has to find a sizable portion Mm -hmm. of humility and patience because in the event of asserting yourself aggressively you tend to appear as a member who wants to outshine the leader Mm. or that you have jealousy towards the leader when in fact You are making the world aware of the fact that you have just as many, if not the same, talents as well. The background vocalists are always there, but rarely paid attention to. You are standing in a shared space with two or three other people. So when the people that praise you give the accolades, the background singer has to share the praises with two to possibly four other people. In order to receive the compliment while the lead singer, even within the group, gets all the glory by themselves. Hmm. So who's responsible for making the group equal or balanced? Would it be the lead singer who appears to be privileged when in fact this is the cash cow or the seller of the group? Like, how does this dynamic work? Because we want to establish better compensation for Mm -hmm. those people in the backgrounds of our lives, those essential workers that are truly underpaid, undervalued, and overwhelmed. How do we process the position of the background singers that we very rarely hear from or even pay attention to? Well, again, I think it starts by letting them know that background does not mean you're not worthy. 
right? Background doesn't mean you're less important. Background means support. And none of us can do anything without support. I think if we start to normalize the celebration of support, it would get easier for support not to feel less than. You know, you can get lost in the shuffle just because you're not on the magazine cover. You can get lost in the shuffle because you don't have the podcast. You can get lost in the shuffle. But I think the shuffle has something to do with your ego and your your definition of self-worth and self-value and self-esteem. There are many people that are background singers, BJ, who don't aspire to be anything else. And mm. they're fine with that role. And we need to start asking them, what about you is safe here? What about you is comfortable here? What about you knows that you're still enough and just as important as the lead singer? What about you knows that when you sing your alto, soprano, or tenor note, you know you bring value just because it's not the first note, even if it's the third? What about you is okay with being in this choir? I think we can learn a lot from people who successfully have been the background singers. We're not looking to people with expertise to give us knowledge. We're asking the, uh, the, the lead singer on how we can help the background singer when we need to be asking the background singers how we can help the background singers. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Because I'm actually a background singer by nature. Mm-hmm. And that is what made me such the, the greatest lead singer to those who listen to the show. Hmm. I had to, I had to sit back and observe what I didn't like about leadership. Um, it was the ego of leadership that I believe was failing so many people that were in the lead when I was trying to get my show off the ground. Mm-hmm. It was so many things about the background that really taught me humility when I sat back and watched how the women, even in the podcast culture, was being treated. And, right. you know, the opportunities that were being somewhat slighted from a lot of talented women. And I was able to cultivate my voice based on the back seat that everybody else found to be so uncomfortable right. to be in. So I really do have a a huge amount of respect for those who don't desire to be in the front because those are the greatest people to have conversations with. Those are the people that are knowledgeable, that have the intuitive perspective that a lot of times the lead singer is lacking because you can't hear because you're facing the crowd. You can't hear the things that are going on around you. You don't, you know, you don't, you, I I guess it's a way for me to explain like one of the greatest moments to me in um, entertainment is when Beyonce fell, Mm -hmm. right? She fell Mm -hmm. on stage Mm -hmm. to fall. And not respond to embarrassment. Mm-hmm. To fall and not respond to pain. Because I'm pretty sure that shit hurt. Hurt like hell. Hurt like hell. <laughs> yes, yes. And not respond. The show must go on. There was also a time when her entire weave got caught in one of the fans that yes. she uses. And they are literally trying to cut out her weave. And she is singing, I believe it's irreplaceable or something. And this lady, you would think nothing is going on <laughs> behind is going her. On. And I'm like, first of all, as a woman who has had weaves, wigs, braids, and you name it, I know that hurt. Like, I know what yes. pain she going through with some fan yoked her up and she is just really and that's a lot of the responsibility that you refer to when you talk about being the lead because when Michelle fell on 106 and Park back in the day 
mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Michelle and Kelly, I mean, Beyonce and Kelly kept going. Why? Because Beyonce opens the song. She, the, Michelle gonna have to figure it out, get up or get down, do something because the lead singer has to open the show. Right. right, So Michelle had the luxury of figuring it out and having to get up because she didn't have to sing initially first. And let's be clear, like you said, the lead singer has a spotlight. They, a lot of people didn't come to see at that time, Michelle, who was fairly new to the group. They came to see what Beyonce was doing. So Beyonce didn't have the luxury of falling. And then when she does fall, she doesn't have the luxury of staying down. Hmm. And that's what happens when you're in the front and the and, and and you're on the lead microphone, whether you're singing, podcasting, modeling, production, whatever it is. When you're the leader of the team, what a lot of the background needs to understand is that they don't have the luxury as the leader to slack off the way sometimes the background does. And the leader also needs to understand that just because they're in the background doesn't mean that they want to slack off or that they are slacking off. We have to have a... a, a real conversation with our teams and Mm -hmm. our groups to say, I don't know what it is to be in your shoes, but I would like to know. And I would like to know how I can do better on the opposite end to make sure that you know that you're supported by your definition of support. Support. Right. Right. Yeah. That, that actually is the most valuable thing for anybody in the background to do. Like, you know, empathize with a position that you've never been in before, even if you desire it. Right. Right. Yeah. 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 And also give opportunities to swap. When we talked about 112, we liked how we finally started seeing, you know, differences from Slim's voice. We said, okay, Q got some spotlight. Okay. Mm -hmm. I like it. Who's next? Okay. Deron's up next. Understand that. Because a lot of people, what they do, BJ, as you know, it's like, oh, the public is so used to hearing Slim or Beyonce. We can't change it up now. This is what your record companies are telling you. This is what you've been taught to believe that if you do anything, you will lose fans, right? If you do Mm -hmm. anything from the formula that got you successful in the first place, that you'll lose fans. I want leaders to have more bravery when it comes to structuring their content. Be brave with giving Michelle a verse. Because let me tell you, once they did that, Michelle has some of the best verses on all of their songs. I mean, Soldier comes to mind off the bat, Kelly as well, where you like, okay, Beyonce's cool. She opens the song. But once you give this chick her shine, she shines. Right, right? Right. We need to give spaces for the background to have moments of the front runner of the front singer of the lead singer so that they understand what that pressure is like so that there's a respect on both ends. That is that is one of the reasons why I think my show is the way that it is, because a lot of the people that I've been able to introduce to other people, like, yeah. I don't think we have the attitude of knowing the duality of being on either side of the group like you. It's, it's so hard when you are the underdog trying to associate network, you're trying to. You're trying to get a spot in the group, the choir, the quartet. You're trying to get your footing. And it seems as though because there are so many elite people in this space, it's like they're extra critical of you when you're at the same point (laughs) vocally Mm -hmm. that they were when they started. Right. And it is so it is so like draining to know that when this person starts to get their footing in whatever creative, you know, field or opportunity that they take for themselves, 
the way that people come back and it's like, yeah, I've been watching you. I've been seeing how you like, what does that shit mean? <laughs> what does that even mean? What does Why that mean? Do what? Right. Right. Like it is, it's almost like, you know, I was just trying to see if you were going to get here mm. without me. Mm. And that's the attitude of most lead singers nowadays. It's yeah. like, I don't know if anybody is, fam- well, I'm sure most of us are familiar, but the scene of love and basketball when, um, she had just finally got to Monica, just got to USC mm-hmm. and she was really pushing to be noticed by the coach and the current point guard was noticing the new point guard stepping up and mm-hmm. she tried to like, you know, mess with her head in a sense. It's like, you know, I'm not going to be put out of my position by no freshman. Right. That's the way that we think as lead right. singers. Like we don't realize that a lot of these people who are reaching out to us look at us as influencers yes. because we've been leading for so long, you know, but we have this idea of people in the background trying to come for our spots. Yes. And that's all ego. You know, ego yeah. is defined as a person's sense of self-esteem or self-importance. If I'm the lead singer and this is all that I have, and this is the thing that has made me feel like I was respected, I was important, I was worthy, I mattered, you know, to, to, to stand on stage, no matter how big your platform is, whether it's 30 people in the back of a bar or you're selling out Madison Square Garden, to sell out a stage and have all of that attention on you. I have heard it is like the ultimate high. I heard you get higher than cocaine, than crack, than weed. I heard it's like nothing ever before. And if you've ever been to a concert and just as an audience member, you feel a piece of that high because mm-hmm. everyone, you talk about a chord, everyone in that arena is there for one person. So that's a level of alignment that we really get to experience all the time when we go to shows, right? right. So imagine being on the receiving end of 50,000 people the receiving end of 30 people, the receiving end of a hundred, you start to feel like you can't lose this because without this, you don't have an identity. Mm. So when you see the newbie coming in, you're like, Oh hell no, they're going to take my slot. I gotta, I gotta milk this a little bit longer. I didn't plan to retire for like another five years. Instead of saying, you know what, there's room for everybody. And this newbie might be giving me a new perspective. And this newbie might also refresh and revive the content that I have been putting out. This newbie might give me a new perspective. They're looking to me possibly for some guidance and some coaching. Why would I like remove them from the possibility of receiving and retaining my greatness or because my ego tells me that I won't be as important if they have space at the table. Mm. Oh, wow. And that actually um, can transition us to something else that we can talk about in terms of groups. And there's a tragic event. That happens when we're dealing with this perspective of not being receptive to um, the background, potentially stepping up based on our influence. Right. Um, We've seen this happen to Drew Hill and New Edition, Mm. where you start off in the group as equals because some way, shape or form, we all touch and agree that this is what we want to do. But there are certain members who are presented with other opportunities within the group because of the way in which they prepare and perform. And because you didn't take care of your business the way that the others did, important moments in the the business relationship slips through the cracks. And this is how now 
Cisco owns the name of Drew Hill when he started it with three other people. Mm-hmm. This is how Johnny Gill and Ralph Transvent now own the name New Edition when there's four other members right. in the group. Now, there's a point where we're all fighting for a position. We're all trying to get our just do and shine. We're not paying attention to the competition. Um, we're not inspired by competition. We're doing all of these things that keep us from our best potential lead singer within the space of the group that re- that rehearsing the the show notes, the preparing, the mm-hmm. practicing in the shower, our introductions, those things that make us who we are. And then somehow, some way, because we get comfortable in this space of being a lead or a singer, period, somebody from the background steps up, becomes more acute, I guess, a more accurate in a sense of what they're doing and now has taking ownership of the space. You can't even find yourself in the space that you once shared with the person that was looking up to you. Hmm. How does this headspace work? Oh, BJ. <laughs> Such a good question. <laughs> like, there's so many layers to this. There are so many layers to this. I'm trying to compartmentalize my thoughts so that I can give an articulate answer. Can you rephrase the question for me? Okay, so we're going to say that we start on an equal playing field. Yep. And now things begin to change for the group as right. a whole. There are some um, some delicate things that certain members pay attention to more than others. And those delicate things transition them into better opportunities mm-hmm. while the other members weren't paying attention to the detail. Right. And now ownership and allure and all of the things that are so much, so very important to us as creatives has somehow escaped our reach and is given to the person who didn't initially start the the group or the right. idea or the project because if we dial back to even the story of new edition ralph and johnny began their relationship in a very awkward place because yes. johnny was initially ralph's replacement yes 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 and now they come together and they own and they the own name yeah yeah i think that a lot of people have to understand and respect when people do things better than they have or they could have done, you know, to be mad at someone who didn't necessarily start the movement, but they finished it and finished it gracefully and with class. I don't think you can be mad at someone for picking up a ball that you dropped. Mm. Right. I think we have to take ownership and say we were so focused on being seen and getting out the projects and, you know, whatever the intention was for accord for the individual and realize that they didn't take the time to learn the business. When I think about what the question that you asked, of course, New Edition is huge because even I think of Belle Bib DeVoe and how Bib was like, okay, let me sit down and learn the business so that I can then become the producer, right? I can Mm -hmm. become the record label owner. Let me see what they did to us, what I didn't like, and then learn the nuances of the business and then take that and create my own. And then you get mad at him for now being a mogul himself and giving us boys to men, ABC, BBD. Mm -hmm. You know, you're right. There is something that needs to be said about how do you respect when someone makes a power play that you either didn't think of or you move too slow on 
whose responsibility is it to keep the lines of communication open about those things? Right, right. Right? Should I have come to you and said, hey, I'm going to buy the name New Edition. It's just sitting out there and no one bought it after 20 years. It doesn't make any sense. Or do I have the conversation with you afterwards? after I purchased it so that you don't, I don't awaken you to the possibility so that you don't buy it. Is it a race? Like how do we go about this? I don't have the answer to that. I just know that healthy communication is usually the best mode to move things forward and keep things progressing. But I also understand not wanting to be someone's keeper in the sense of, I don't want to hold your hand through this business deal, through this transaction. I saw an opportunity that none of you, took and like you said johnny gill wasn't even in the group at first right so you guys had over a decade in this group without this man and you're mad that he comes in in the ninth inning changes how it appears and then he gets his business right i see both sides bj i don't have a concrete answer but i i understand the anger and frustration on both sides but i i like business and i like business to be done well you know that i'm about contracts and i'm about Mm -hmm. putting things in writing so i feel like if we as lead singers and background singers get our business savvy together first before we go into the creation yeah. I think that's best because too many people want to have podcasts together, but don't do the paperwork first. Right, right, right. right, right. You already know how I roll. I'm like, there's going to be no creation mm-hmm. until we we work out all of the business logistics. Who's paying for what? Who's owning what? How are we doing this? What do you suggest? Where's the meeting minutes? Like people are so thirsty to be on the stage that they don't understand that the stage is literally the last component. To the importance of putting mm-hmm. the group together. Of putting the group together. And I think it says a lot about your maturity when you're not able to converse about evolutions, even mm-hmm. from within the group. Yeah. Um, there has always been a star player on just about everything. Like, right. you should go into the group atmosphere with the idea that you may or may not be the star player, which makes the legitimate you know, conversations for paperwork and all of those things important mm-hmm. because you don't want the the climate to shift and you all of a sudden become lesser in terms of value. Right. Just because a person is elected a star because most of the time the lead singer is not necessarily the person who had the desire to even sing. Yes. Yes. That reminds me of the clock system. Yeah. Yeah, Karen. Karen, Karen had no desire. She was shy and planned to be a supportive background singer to her sister and for her mother. And her mother saw what she couldn't see in her. Mm-hmm. And that's what great production does, right? It, it molds talent and sees the talent and it puts the talent in the space, in the place that it needs to be in. And her mother was right. So do you tell the Gwen Stefani's of the world that they can't leave no doubt? Yeah. Right? Do you tell... You know, the Michael Jacksons that they have to stay with the Jackson 5? Do you tell the Gladys Knights of the world that she has to have the pips? No. No, no. No. Do you tell Paul McCartney that you don't keep going without the Beatles? Like, that doesn't that doesn't work for me, for people to limit people just because they started as a group. Let's be... Okay, let me say this, BJ. I feel like people need to understand that groups are really meant to develop your individuality. Mm. Right. When you Mm. come together as a pair, a duo, a quartet, a thruple, when you're in a relationship, 
let's take marriage for instance when you're in a marriage it's not supposed to be you come 50 he come 50 she come 50 percent and then that's how y'all make a hundred no and if that's the case then you grow to your own hundred and then you become 200 the goal is to be as close to a hundred percent as an individual as possible right so that we're not 50 50 100 we're 100 100 to make 200 So in relationships is where your development as an individual actually takes place in your group, in your destiny's child, Beyonce was able to hone Sasha fears, right? Mm. In, in your, no doubt, Gwen Mm. Stefani was able to bust out with that shit is bananas. B-A-N-A-N-A-S. She was able to hone who she was as an individual because she had the support of no doubt because she had the support of destiny's child. So when you look at groups, you have to understand when you're getting into anything, this is not just about codependency. This is about you developing as an individual so that you can then step out and become your Michael Jackson, become your David Bowie, become your whomever you are that you were supposed to be, whether you with or were supposed to be without people. Ooh-wee. I'm saying. Groups, <laughs> man. Groups. Groups, Gr- man. Groups are about individuality. Though you are in a group, though you are in a relationship, though you have support, you are still BJ. Right. So BJ gets into a group situation. He should not lose himself and only identify himself as this group member. Ron Isley wasn't worried about what the Isley brothers was doing when he got to be Mr. Biggs. Biggs. Right. Right. He right. said, this is Mr. Biggs. What you're doing, Mr. Biggs? This is what it's going to be. <laughs> right? So imagine, imagine if our lead singers who were initially lead singers or weren't meant to be lead singers decided they were not going to allow themselves to be the lead because they didn't want to hurt the background singers' feelings. They didn't want to disappoint people. Where would Omarion be if he stayed with B2K? Right. Right? Yeah. Where would Will Smith be if he didn't leave Jazzy Jeff alone? Think about the stuff we wouldn't be able to have and absorb. Where would we be with if Phil Collins didn't leave his group? Right. Where would we be if, you know, anyone decided I'm just going to stay in the group box, even though I've developed more because of this group as an individual? What would we not have if we allowed that to take place? We'll definitely be missing out on quite a bit of excellence. Mm-hmm. So um, that was the basis of this entire conversation is to break down the differences, the similarities and the importance of accord. It is not because we all agree on the same things. It's despite the fact that we are different. We coexist. We support each other. We know how to advance ourselves and each other with our supportive and constructive criticisms. We, we tell ourselves when we're excellent, we tell ourselves when we're not so good. Mm-hmm. This is, um, one of the things that I really believe makes a huge difference to our culture and what we're going through now with, you know, people speaking up for us that don't know us, that don't right. sing for us, mm-hmm. um, don't sing any of our favorite songs, but they for some reason believe that they have the lead singer capabilities to represent the group of black people, of people of color. You know, mm-hmm. there are so many um, parallels that I'm sure for you guys that are listening, you can pretty much put whatever your group or your position in the spaces where we put R&B groups. Mm-hmm. There's so many lead singers that need to take the back seat now and let other people step up and say or sing in their stead. There's so many 
parallels that we can definitely use, but we'll be here for another hour and 15 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're right, BJ. There are so many parallels and many of us are leads in different aspects of our lives. And as someone who leads, it took a lot for me to learn how to sit down in the background and not sit down, meaning not do anything, sit down and respect the background. Sit mm-hmm. down and be in the audience. I don't have to be on stage. And once I realized that I didn't really know how to be a great background singer, I had to really check myself and say, what does it take? Because I've been supported in my venture as the life architect. I've been supported with ISM Pod, Not Your Mama's Podcast. I've been supported so much now that my beloveds are doing their thing in this digital field. I need to learn. I had to learn how to say, okay, now let me help you set up your camera. Mm-hmm. What do you need when you're doing your Instagram live? I'm on the other side of the ring light now, right? right? And I realized that I wasn't as good as I thought I was because I didn't have to play that position for the last three years. So I'm speaking from personal experience, understanding both roles and saying that if you have to switch roles, even if you don't have to, I I implore you, I, I, I request that you try to find somewhere in your life where you can automatically switch the roles and ask someone if you're the lead singer, where can you be a better support system? Where can you be a better background singer? And if you're a background singer, I encourage you in your life to say, hey, I want to assert myself in a positive way, as you said, BJ, to not to distract from anything that's happening, but to also shine my light as well. Right. Mm. I'm not trying to dim your light because I want to turn mine on. Right. Right. I just want to brighten the space even more. Right. Right. You know, and, and, you know, and owning those um, honest emotions is how we gain better harmony. Yes. So yes, there you have it. This is what you get from BJ and Stephanie, the life architect, when you put them two in the same space, talking about music and the shit that y'all be doing, messing <laughs> up the songs <laughs> and the key of life for That's us. Not the key of life, BJ. <laughs> <laughs> Let me say this. You are allowed to not want to listen to a particular episode, a particular song, you're allowed not to, because I can hear people now, BJ, like, well, what if I don't want to listen to the show that you're doing today? You're right. You have every right to say this conversation is not for me today or at all. When you say that, when you, when you press fast forward on a song or you don't play it at all, all I'm asking is for people to dissect the intention about why they're not pressing play, why they're fast forwarding, why they're only giving it 15 seconds before they label it whack or corny or not for me. I I want people to really start to do their work as an individual before you sit there and praise somebody for what they do. Is it what they do that's based on your comfort that you like or is what they do overall? Mm. Yeah. That is all. That's her saying. You're going to miss her when you're gone. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Oh, you hear me, BJ? You reading through it? You reading through it. But you know, you know, you know, you just hit on something because we tend to only want to give people their flowers where they're not here to receive them. They're not here. Right, right. We tend to want to be like, oh my God, where's your show? Are you going to do any more episodes? Oh my God, you're booked now. I wanted to book you as my coach for like two years. Well, now the schedule is not open till 2021. Right, right. Like, why are you sitting on greatness instead of tapping into it? I'll never understand it. Yeah. But again, um, make sure you guys are being honest, you know, with yourselves. Um, As far as the position you play and the groups that you're in, um, Mm -hmm. a lot of us are leaders, but are comfortable in the background. You know what makes the difference, but you fail to speak 
those differences into existences within your group. Some of us deserve to have the backseat because we ain't had no hits with your leadership. Mm. You know? Did you just say we didn't have no hits with your leadership? (laughs) Now, let me ask you this. If we don't have hits with your leadership, does that make you, does that automatically make you a terrible leader? If we're coasting with your leadership, but we don't climb the top of the charts, is that less of a leader, a leader than someone who gets us number one hits? I think so. Only reason I say that is because if in fact you realize as the leader, that you haven't had any real substantial hits Mm -hmm. and you haven't made any adjustments as the leader, knowing the potential that you once had before, Mm -hmm. then you're ignoring the the detail of change that needs to be made Mm -hmm. because there's a reason why you were there. Right. So it's hard for me to believe that a person that is almost like, and this is just an example, it's almost like a person such as Beyonce, for instance, she can sing. Uh, she can sing "Freedom" with Kendrick. Mm-hmm. She can sing "Sorry." Right. What's the likelihood of her singing those two songs first, and then going all the way back to like now that she's gone on the writings on the wall? That's not the best transition in the world, right? You don't build people up, right? Got them amplified. They right. ready for high intensity. And then you bring things down. This is typically what happens in some of our groups. We get everybody riled up. We get them hype. We get them ready for whatever is to come. And then the letdown happens. And then Mm. you don't know what to do in that moment of transition. And it's pivotal. Let me let me know where I can send my offer. Because (laughs) that was a word. That was a full word. Well said. Well said. Transitions are pivotal. They are pivotal. Absolutely. Yes. And leadership, leadership needs leadership. Yes. Yes. Leadership leads leadership. If you are not, I think I mentioned it earlier in the episode, if you are not getting vocal lessons as a lead singer, right? If you are not fine tuning your craft, if you're not going to people who are better than you, if you're the best singer in the room, you're in the wrong room. Right. 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 I want to be in rooms where people start challenging me. Put Jennifer Hudson in this damn room. I want to be in rooms where the vocals are challenging and I'm like, oh, I got to step my game up. You say steel, sharp and steel. That's the room that I want to be in. That's the room I want to be in. So check yourself if you're in the room and you're always the best singer. And also check yourself if you're in the room and you're always the background singer. Like I said, there's nothing wrong with being the background singer, but check your intentions of why you're always in the background, especially if you you harbor resentment. For being in the background background. and you really want to be a lead singer, but you're never putting yourself in lead singer positions. Yep. Mm. All right, y'all. We ain't going to keep smacking y'all outside the head (laughs) like this. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) But I so appreciate you for coming through and sharing this conversation conversation with me. Um, Took me a long time to, to really understand this concept and now that the world is taking this same term or transition, um, it just made more and more sense. And you brought out so much character and made so many things vivid for me in this space. So um, I'm grateful to you for sharing this conversation. Oh, man. Thank you for having me. I'm grateful to you for asking me to be on. I'm grateful that you prepare. I love your questioning. I love your 
train of thought and I'm always challenged when we speak and mm. I appreciate that again I'm not the smartest person in the room when you're here and I love that so keep bringing what you bring BJ absolutely thank you so much for any of you guys that have any questions comments um, or criticisms for that matter because I know some of you do um, you can hit me up at BJ. that is D-E-R-G-O-B-J on Twitter the subject change on Instagram the email is changed that is change with a D subject at gmail.com. Um, and there is a hotline, the CTS hotline, which is 313-652-0220. Let me know your thoughts. Um, we have to put ourselves in these very uncomfortable positions to grow. And I believe that this is one of those conversations where you are going to be indicted by this conversation to grow. You know, we, we have to do it. It's um, so important for us to add some value to our groups, you know, the groups that we share commonalities and sometimes issues in. We have to make these voices um, speak more for things that are more important. So I hope you guys were encouraged by this conversation. And um, Stephanie, give them your information again so they can reach you. Sure. If you're looking to find me, you can reach me on my website at blcny.org. That's O-R-G. Or you can find me across all social media platforms at BLC New York. That's B-L-C-N-E-W-Y-O-R-K. And you can tune into the I Said No podcast all over iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, Google Play, blah, 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 and blah, blah, blah. Anywhere <laughs> you find podcasts, you can find me. Thank you so much for inviting me, BJ. I appreciate it. Anytime. Thank you so much for coming. And this has been episode 32 of Change the Subject that we're going to call Lead and Background Vocals. I'll see you guys again in two weeks. Peace and blessings. Stay safe.